0: Welcome to Faith and Fable. Pastoral podcast that discusses common and often controversial topics from the b- biblical perspective. My name is Matt Miller. And I'm my, uh,
1: my name is Matt Henry. Um, <laughs> Matt, 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 Matt. And today we're not gonna go with really a controversial thing. We're gonna go with a very thick, dense theological point because we're building off of our last podcast where we dealt with the nature of original sin and what original sin is and isn't. And along with that, we dealt a bit with the idea of total depravity. But we left off in uh, Romans chapter five about yes. the whole idea of Adam theology. And uh, if people are familiar with it, it's, it's a fascinating doctrine. It's actually a very important one. But if you're not familiar with it, um, we, we wanna try to help you understand what's going on. Uh, and so we, we stopped before we got into the various views of this idea of what's known as the doctrine of solidarity or the corporate nature of us being in Adam because in Adam all sinned um and so what what is meant by that because on one way Paul is seeming in chapter 5 to be talking about us as an individual sin but then he'll turn around say uh one man sinned, and we seem to be yeah. involved in that. So what's what's meant by that? And like all things in theology, when something subtle like that comes up, there becomes these different uh, positions or views. And that's what we're going to deal with today is, what are the various views on this nature of the solidarity or the yeah. headship or— So am I, am I being
0: held accountable for my own sin, or am I somehow guilty by some association because of what Adam did, yeah, and that's the question.
1: Yeah, so there's several views, and we're going to take you through each one of them. We're going to try to make it interesting. Uh, We think it's very interesting, but again, people sometimes just want the simple yes or no when the Bible's not willing to give us a yes or no uh, answer. So we're going to start out with these views and work them through. And the first one I'm going to uh, give to you, it's... um, The What's called, (laughs) oh boy, uh, the realistic view or the seminal headship, and I'll let you take it away. (laughs) Yeah, well, basically the way I'm
0: going to describe this is just with a couple quotes. Um, And so this one comes from Murray, which I spelled Mary. Um, And this comes from his work, The Imputation of Adam's Sin. Uh, He says... (laughs) Uh, Human nature was numerically and specifically one in Adam. In brief, the position is that human nature in its individualized unity existed in its entirety in Adam, so that when Adam sinned, not only did he sin, but also the common nature which existed in its unity in him, and that, since each person who comes into the world is an individualization of this one human nature— Each person, as an individualized portion of that common nature, is both culpable and punishable for the sin committed by that unity. And that was one (laughs) sentence, people. One (laughs) sentence. Yeah. In other words, you weren't born yet, but because you were in the loins of Adam, somehow you're guilty. That's the point.
1: Um, And that's the seminal, the semen. Right. It's the whole idea that in him uh, was the seed of all of humanity. And so whatever he did— We did. We did. Yeah. Uh, the next one would be by H, uh, A. H.
0: strong. Uh, he says this about it. He says it holds that God imputes the sin of Adam immediately to all his posterity. That is his descendants in virtue of that organic unity of mankind, by which the whole race at the time of Adam's transgression existed, not individually, but seminally in him as its head, the total life was then in Adam. The race as yet had its being only in him. Its essence was not yet individualized. Its forces were not yet distributed. The powers which now exist in separate men were then unified and localized in Adam. Adam's will was yet the will of the species. In Adam's free act, the will of the race revolted from God and the nature of the race corrupted itself.
1: Okay. Very philosophical approach. Yeah, yeah. So then we come into what's called the representative view. Now, this view does not discount the physical union and relationship of Adam with the whole of humans, as we just saw in the prior view. Uh, rather, it this is a common charge, or, or however, this is a common charge uh, made by those in the realistic or seminal camp. They're trying to say that we're discounting the fact that when Adam was there, it was just him and Eve. Right, right. Um, but we're, it, it's not being discounted. Um, this view holds to the idea that instead of trying to see the whole of humanity actual actually sinning in Adam, it just sees that Adam is the representative head of humanity, and therefore God imputes by divine, divine decision his sin upon all who are represented by him. And so they would argue that Paul is saying that the only sin that was imputed upon man was that one sin. And as a result, not any other sins by Adam were imputed to us. So all the other things he did wrong, they're not on us. But this one was imputed on us because he was our representative. He was the head of the human race. And this is important to remember because it connects all of humanity to that one actual sin, uh, not merely the effects of the sin. Right. So when we consider passages like 1 Corinthians 15, we see that there are these two Adams. Uh, one is the first Adam, and the second is Christ, or the second or last Adam. So he says in verse 15, Uh, 21 and 22 of chapter 15. He says, For since by a man came death, by a man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. And so, verse 22 shows something that's rather startling and vivid. It's essentially saying that the destiny of all people and nations rise or fall, but on the basis of their relation to one of these two atoms. That's what's key is, are you with the first Adam or the second? So, the idea that we were physically present in the sufferings of Christ, or that we physically were present in Christ at his death or resurrection is not what's being supported biblically, what we have is that Christ goes to the cross on behalf of those whom the Father had given him, meaning the elect, and through faith we are reckoned or imputed with his righteousness. And in a similar way, we need to see the fact that the first Adam is physically connected to all of humanity is not the central issue. Um, What is the issue is that he also represented all of humanity, so that when he rebelled against God and died, both physically and more importantly, spiritually, this condemnation was imputed on all who were born into the human race because he's the representative. So Grudem gives some uh, helpful comments here. You want to read? Yeah. Uh, Grudem writes on this. He says, the conclusion to be drawn from
0: these verses, that is Romans chapter 5, is that all members of the human race were represented by Adam in the time of testing in the Garden of Eden. As a representative, Adam sinned, and God counted us as guilty as well as Adam. Uh, A technical term that is sometimes used in this connection is impute, meaning to think of as belonging to someone and therefore to cause it to belong to that person. God counted Adam's guilt as belonging to us, and since God is the ultimate judge of all things in the universe, and since his thoughts are always true, Adam's guilt does in fact belong to us. God rightly imputed Adam's guilt to us. Um, I think he ma- he makes that statement because a lot of times people are now going to take issue with, is this right or fair or mm-hmm. just? And it's like, well, if God says so, it is because God is truth, God is good, and anything he does is true and good. Um, Grudem goes on then. He says, sometimes the doctrine of inherited sin from Adam is termed the doctrine of original sin. I have not used this expression. If this term is used, it should be remembered that sin spoken of does not refer to Adam's first sin, but to the guilt and tendency to sin with which we are born it is original in that it comes from adam and it is also original in that we have it from the beginning of our existence as persons but it is still our sin not adam's sin that is meant parallel to the phrase original sin is the phrase original guilt this is that aspect of an inherited sin from adam that we
1: have been discussing above namely the idea that we inherit the guilt of adam all right so What we just described there with this representative view is the view that many covenantal theologians will hold to. Now, that doesn't mean that if you hold to this that you have to be a covenantal theologian, uh, but it is the common one. Uh, But even if that were the case, then it would be a bad way to approach any subject for because it would be saying, "Well, our theology must dictate our exegesis." And what we've been trying to make the argument in our entire history of this podcast is, "Let's just let the text yes. speak for what it says." Now, there's a third uh, view. What's that? So that's the immediate imputation view. Uh,
0: this, <laughs> all these terms. Um, now, this view says that Adam's sin directly affected only Adam. Um, but because his nature became depraved as a result of that sin, then it is the depravity, not the actual sin that has now been transmitted to all of humanity. And so in this view, it's strongly emphasizing the fact that there, there is a physical transmission of sin from generation to generation, but it doesn't find support necessarily in the exegetical data of Romans right. 5. Um, so some initial, initial conclusions on this stuff. We would say that, in light of this, it is wise to see that there are aspects involved uh, in this whole discussion that just can't be answered from the text itself. Yeah, and I said that when I you know, like especially that first view, that seminal view, it's I mean, it's very philosophical. He's not nowhere did we actually quote a text of scripture, right. Um, so we would say this, we would say, be slow
1: to become harsh with the person with whom you may disagree with their position on this. Yeah, in some way, shape, or form. If you're like, well, I hold a seminal, and other guy's like, no, it's a representative. It's like, okay, show grace there, because it's a very, very complex subject. And in fact, there's just not enough biblical data to be able to say, look, um, if no, there's no, if ands or buts about this. This is clearly from this text what it's saying. Uh, I lean toward that representative view. That's where I, but I can see some strengths in in some way, shape, or form. There was this transmission, but how that works, the Bible doesn't say so. I just kind of shrug my so- shoulder and say, well, in heaven, right? I'll know. And it won't matter then. So with that, though, let's develop the actual exegetical data. That's the theological data. Now let's say, okay, well, let's actually exegete the passage, and let's see what comes from that. So yeah. go ahead. Sure. So in, in Romans 5,
0: 12 through 19, that's the passage we're looking at, um, Paul, Paul uses... I mean, up to this point in Romans, Paul has used that gen- the Genesis two through three account
1: four times in the book so far uh, to develop some aspect of his theology, which is actually very interesting. That Romans has so much of its theological moorings in the first two the uh, you know first uh, three chapters of of the book of Genesis, yeah. especially the way people treat those first three chapters of Genesis. But anyhow, Paul Paul is not just developing a theology. He's flowing out of his understanding of Genesis. Yeah. Uh well so I mean so much that he's talking about in Romans is sin. So
0: it makes yeah. sense that he goes to <laughs> there you go. Genesis, you know. Um but but yeah, so he's he's invoked Genesis two or three two verse, uh chapters two through three four times up to this point. Um and this is going to be one of those times. Uh but what's important to keep in mind is that it sits, this, this passage of Romans 5, 12 through 19 is sitting in the middle of a great argument that he's building. Yeah, something bigger than just this. Right, and there has been much debate over this last phrase here in verse 12 that says, because all sinned. Um, so Romans five twelve says, therefore just as through one man, Adam, sin entered the world and death through sin. And so death spread to all men, because all sinned. That's the difficult phrase. So the question to ask is, what does Paul mean by this phrase, because all sinned? Well, the issue up to this point has been the sin of Adam in Genesis 3. So so how can Paul now say at this point that death has spread to all men because all sinned? Um, So so is it Adam's sin, or is it our sin that brings about our death? That's the question here. So there are a series of, it's a Greek preposition, dia, which means through or on account of, something like that. Um, And there's a series of these throughout the passage that help us follow the flow of the argument. So you want to
1: pick that up for us? Yeah. Okay. So when you're dealing with dia, it's speaking of channels. Uh, Some will call it fancier term uh, agency. Uh, It's through which death or condemnation has come. So if you actually have your Bible open, you can see it with the word through. Uh, If you can follow the flow, it makes so much more sense of this whole mess uh, that people create. It's very difficult to do it in a podcast form. So if we were in a class, we would uh, do it in a much more easier way because we'd be able to put it up on like a screen and just circle and show that flow. Um, But we can't uh, through the mystery of podcasting. We, we can't do that. So we're going to say to you, sit down with your Bible, open it up to that passage, and notice the number. T- if you have a good translation, you'll be seeing the word through, 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 and just try to trace the flow of, of logic that he's saying and how all of this happens. But suffice it to say um, that if you follow that structure of the argument, then you will see a great comparison being made between Adam in Jesus Christ. And so, in verse 12, it makes a statement. Then verse 13 explains that statement. Then verse 15 shows the limits and differences between both Adam and Christ. Uh, and then verse 18 brings a conclusion with great uh, clarity. Now, again, we can't really show it in a podcast, but if you grab that Bible, if you have time and you re-listen to this section, you're going to see what we're speaking about. Um so, upon examining that passage and following the argument, uh, what our conclusion is is that the representative view has the best sense of the Romans five. Yeah. It's it's just capturing what's happening. There, there's two heads, right, or, or representatives. Um, each representative makes a one act. Um, Adam makes one trespass, that's the one in gar- in the garden, and he talks about that in verse 12, 15, 17, 18, 19. Uh, but then Jesus Christ makes one righteous act, which was on the cross, and Paul talks about that in verse 18. And then from there, go ahead and take it from there, there's these two results. Yeah, um, so both make an
0: act, um, then as a result of those acts, you have... Well, the results. Uh, so for Adam, the result of his act was condemnation, guilt, and death. You'll see that in verse 15, 16, 18, and 19. But for Jesus Christ, the result was justification, life, and kingship. You see that in verses 17, 18,
1: and 19. And so I remember preaching through this. I think it was like a five part series I did uh, Two Men, Two Destinies, I think it was called. Yeah. Um, but it was really really helpful to the church when they came to understand that if you understand the blessings that come with being in Christ, that because of that union we have in Christ, all of these things become ours. So, why do we have eternal life? I explained to the church, I said, Why do you have eternal life? And you could see they could, they were like, I don't know, you just get it. I'm like, No, you don't just get it. It's not like, Hey, we're, we have life now. It's because you're in Christ right. and, and therefore you share in the life he has. And because he is who he is, God, his life is by its very essence eternal. It's not just a long time. It's it's something more full than just living forever. It's it's the essence of what life is supposed to be. And we share in it because we sh- we're, we're now in Christ. And so I talked about all these wonderful blessings we have in Christ, and everyone was all happy. I'm like, but we were also born in Adam. Right. And so now, all that Adam became, because he was our, our representative head— became us. And so we sinned as well because as because it was all imputed upon us. He was our representative. And you could see the light bulb kind of like click with a lot of people where they began to see it's a lot more than just my own personal individual sin. I really am screwed. <laughs> I mean, I'm screwed. Without the grace of God, I have no hope because I'm in Adam. And I said, the only escape is, it, it's not fixing your life because you'll never get yourself from being in Adam. Right. You're still there. And in Adam, all die. And I said, so you need to be somewhere else, and that's in Christ. How? And then, of course, the gospel right. comes in. Yeah, and that, that's, that, that's that great doctrine. You should just go yell at who's ever out there.
0: <laughs> We're recording at the church today, and there's noise. Um, But one of the great... Uh, Doctrines, I think, that we've talked about in the past is not necessarily justification. Uh, It's that great doctrine of union with Christ. And I just had a conversation with somebody about this uh, that equated justification as somehow the gospel. And justification is not the gospel. Justification is a result of the gospel. Um, But we would argue, even based off of Romans, there's so much greater weight given to the doctrine of union with Christ yeah. being in Christ than there is with justification. That's a Jew-Gentile issue, uh, but union with Christ is that whole realm of blessing. Um, and I think in Paul's mind, that's even a greater
1: doctrine than I, yep. justification. I, I remember when I preached through Romans, I I uh, mentioned Bultmann because that was Bultmann's argument. Here he is a liberal, but he argued that the, the core of, Paul's theology in Romans is our union in Christ. Um, And I agreed with him. And and it's like, well, that's great. I'm agreeing with the liberal. I'm going to be fired. (laughs) But uh, I did labor in the many years I went through the book uh, to show that that's his pervasive point. Now, that doctrine of justification is obviously present, but it's not the cornerstone of Paul's uh, point in Romans. He's got something far bigger uh, going on. We'll have to do
0: that someday. Um, So yeah,
1: do some conclusions here.
0: Um, Original sin, because that's what we're talking about actually, is speaking again of a realm in which all of humanity exists. Every single one of us are born... As you were saying, in Adam, this is our state; it's our reality. Not only was Adam a representative, but because we are considered to inhabit his realm, we also sin. And so, it's it's a both-and kind of idea. Yeah. Um, on the one hand, the condemnation we receive for our sin is because of Adam, but on the other hand, it's also because of us. Um, and so, it's hard to make a clean separation. We can make a distinction, but it's hard to separate. Uh, those two because this is truly a
1: both-and issue. And in theology, that's something you just have to learn to become more comfortable with because when you try to make really sharp breaks sometimes, you actually separate brethren when you shouldn't because it's really not either or, it's a both-and, and and this is one of those. Yeah. On the flip side, uh, as you were also saying,
0: this is why we can also now be justified in Jesus Christ. We can stand right before God once we enter His realm— we now inhabit that which defines him, which, of course, is righteousness. Um, Just as we receive the consequences of Adam's sin, so also we receive now the consequences of Christ's obedience, which is eternal life. And so it's a very full topic. uh, Difficult to, I suppose, give justice fully (laughs) to Adam theology in a single, I guess, two episodes. Um, But we'll probably develop more on this stuff in our next topic which is soteriology or the doctrine of salvation um because this ends
1: our discussion on sin yeah it i mean we've dealt with it totally yeah. depraved where the origins of our sin comes from the reality of the the massive amount of data yeah. that the scripture uses to describe our state but talked about the fall right yeah. so all that sets up though why we need that's s- the problem yeah <laughs> so uh, now we're going to get to
0: the solution, solution. Yeah. amen um so we'll jump into that massive yet rich doctrine of salvation lord willing next time uh, but until then make sure to tune in join the conversation let us know what you think about the doctrine of sin don't forget to like share comment rate and review connect with us on facebook instagram and twitter and tell all your friends